Well, finally, good to have you back and welcome home. Yeah. I've forgotten what a good looking group of people you are. You even make those masks look good. Uh, glad to have you back. And also, we know we have folks who are joining us uh, live stream who can't be here for a number of reasons. They're all legitimate reasons. We love you, too, and we're glad that you're joining us. Hey, I read a, um, a psalm from today's one-year Bible reading, and I thought it was appropriate for today. Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and we sang for joy. What amazing things the Lord has done for us. Of course, the people of Israel were exiled for 70 years. We've been exiled for three months, but it seems like 70 years in a way. So, so good to see you. Also, everything's evolving as we go, and so we're starting off here with two services, and we're trying to judge what the attendance was going to be very hard. We had people in the overflow room, so just bear in mind, we may be adding that third service soon, so leadership will take into consideration. We had a full house in the first service. We have overflow today, so we'll be taking that into consideration. Now, a number of people have mentioned to me that while we were in exile and I was bringing you messages from various locations that you're going to kind of miss that, which I'll kind of miss it too, and we tried to choose locations that had a tie-in to the message every Sunday. And I'll just let you know, if I was preaching from location today, it would look something like this. Uh, we had a lot of storms last week, right? So I would, be, I would be preaching right in the middle of a storm, the whole message, because the storm has a tie-in. Now, we're in a stormy time in our nation. I don't have to convince you of that. We all know about the virus. We know about lockdowns. We know about protests and, and, and riots and economic uncertainty and political unrest. And aside from that, we have stormy times in our own lives, personally. I know that some of you are going through a storm right now in your life. I know some of those who are joining us live stream are in the midst of a storm, personal storm, or just came out of one, and who knows who of us is about to go into one. So we need to be prepared for the storms that we encounter. And I thought this would be a, a good opportunity to kind of take a step back in the sermon series that we're currently in, which is called Obey Everything. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything. So that's the, that's the theme. And take a step back and, and look at the raison d'etre, as they like to say. Look at the reason for this emphasis. Why are we to obey everything that Jesus commanded? There are a lot of different ways that we could answer that question, but at least part of the answer has to do with the storms that we encounter in life. In his Sermon on the Mount, toward the conclusion, in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand, and the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. And nothing we're experiencing these days is new to the people of God. Our brothers and sisters in Christ in past centuries have experienced what we're experiencing and even worse in some situations, have come through and stood firm. 
because they had their foundation on the rock-solid commands and life of Jesus Christ. And so I want to simply affirm today the wisdom, the wisdom of building your life on the foundation of Christ's commands. So it's all affirmation today, but we need that every once in a while. Why is it wise to follow Christ's commands? Number one, because Christ's commands address what really matters in life. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts off with the Beatitudes, blessed are. Now, these are the descriptions of the good life. And we've already had a sermon on each one of these Beatitudes. This is the good life. This is the righteous life. This is the abundant life. This is the path to that kind of life. And he talks about the person who is poor in spirit, someone who recognizes that we absolutely need God, someone who mourns over their own sin and the sin in our nation, someone who is meek, which is not weakness, but is strength under control. Those who are merciful, those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, the person who is pure in heart, who has a single-minded pursuit of God in their life, and of course, the peacemakers. Who are we going to listen to? Who knows who has the good life? Who's going to define that for us? Well, for us, it's Jesus Christ. The Jewish philosopher Dennis Prager was once debating the Oxford professor and atheist Jonathan Glover. And in the midst of that debate, Prager asked Glover what I thought was a pretty brilliant question. He said, Professor Glover, let's just hypothetically say that you're driving through Los Angeles one night. It's 2 o'clock in the morning when your car breaks down in a very bad part of town. And so you get out and you lift up the hood and you're looking under the hood there and trying to figure out what's what. When you see approaching you in the not too distant, you see approaching you 10 large men. He said, Professor, would it comfort you to know that those 10 men were just coming from a Bible study? And Professor Glover had to admit, yes, that would be comforting to know. People understand that folks who build their lives on the foundation of Christ's command are a light in every neighborhood. Can you imagine a person whose character is characterized by the Beatitudes, taking part in a riot or looting or murder? Of course not. What does our country need? Maybe a lot of things, but one thing that we need is more Christians who are building their lives on the foundation of Christ. So we follow Jesus' commands, and that's wise because he addresses what really matters in life. Secondly, because his commands address what's really relevant in life. What is relevant in life? Matthew 5, 19. Jesus said, whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Again, we've been in this sermon series since February. So we've already been dealing in the Sermon on the Mount, and we've talked in the past Jesus talks about anger and loathing and contempt and hatred and murder and lust and adultery. These are the relevant issues in our life. Last week I was talking about comparing what Jesus engaged and taught to the top 10 best-selling books right now in the nonfiction category. And Jesus is dealing with those things that are absolutely relevant to our real lives. A couple of years ago, on my birthday, 
we got the whole extended family together, and we went over here to one of these escape rooms in Vero Beach. You're familiar with the idea behind an escape room. So you go into this big room, and it's all set up to simulate an emergency and a crisis. And your team, or your family in our case, you've got to figure out all the clues in time to save the day. So the scenario, this is two years ago now, but the scenario for our particular escape room, we were in there, we were in the simulated laboratory of some brilliant scientists who had been working with viruses. And one of the viruses had got outside of its containment. And so our job was to solve the clues and find the antidote in time to save the world from a global pandemic. Sound familiar? <clears throat> Two years ago. So that's what we did. So we were working on these clues, and it was real hard, and there was a lot of tension. But we, we managed to find the antidote and save the world with 45 seconds left on the clock. You're welcome. <laughs> now, although it was all in good fun, because it was just a simulation, there was still a little bit of stress and a little bit of tension because of that ticking clock. We had one hour, and every once in a while, over the speaker system, you have 20 minutes left. You have 12 minutes left. Time was ticking away. Life, life is like that, in a way. Not just the whole pandemic thing, but the fact that we... We only get one shot at life and at deciding, how am I supposed to live this life? What's the right way? What's the wrong way? What's true? What's false? Whose voice should I be listening to? Jesus said, we should not hold on to anger or grudges. We should let that go. Let it go in prayer. There are voices in our society say, oh no, you should have anger. You should cultivate that anger. You should... Release that anger into the society. Whose voice are we going to listen to? We have to make that decision, and the clock is always ticking. I was reading in the one-year Bible again this past week, and I think it was Acts chapter 4, and Peter was preaching, and he referred to Jesus in a certain way. I'd never noticed it quite this way before. He referred to Jesus as the author of life. He said to the Jewish authorities, you killed the author of life. Of life. Who are you going to call when you want to know how am I supposed to live? What voice are we going to listen to? Well, most of us, because we're Christians, those watching, we've chosen to listen to Jesus' voice because we are convinced he's the author of life. And as the author of life, he's in a position to tell us the best way to live. His commands address what matters and they address what's relevant in life. And thirdly, what's authoritative? What's authoritative? Again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Again and again, as Jesus is teaching, you, you will see this refrain, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, you've heard that it was said. The other Jewish rabbis, Jesus' contemporaries, found their authority by quoting their fellow rabbis. Jesus was different. His authority was rooted in his identity as the Son of God. And people noticed he teaches as one with authority. Now, it's one thing to be amazed at the teaching of Jesus. Matthew records the people were amazed at his teaching. And that's good. But it's not enough. 
we have to come to a point in our lives where we decide Jesus is not only amazing, he's our Lord. He's the authority in our lives. There are many people say, oh yeah, Jesus was a great teacher, just like a lot of teachers, but he's not the Lord of their lives. One of the weaknesses in the modern church, in many churches, is a low view of Scripture. Oh, the Bible, maybe it contains the Word of God, but it's full of errors and it's full of contradictions. And a weak or low view of Scripture almost inevitably leads to a low view of God. When people are interested in becoming a part of this church or, or even becoming a Christian, we sit down in the Discover class and the first topic I talk about is the Bible. And for us, the Bible is the Word of God. It's our only rule of faith and practice. We believe the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Inerrant means it's without error. Infallible means it is incapable of error. It's a high view of the authority of Scripture. And the reason that we do that is because it's critical to our faith. Jonathan Steingard, lead singer for a popular Christian band, announced on Instagram last week that he no longer believes that God exists. He's been the lead singer for years. Here's what he wrote. When I began to believe that the Bible was simply a book written by people as flawed and imperfect as I am. By the way, the Bible doesn't hide that. The human authors were flawed and imperfect. But nevertheless, he says, that was when my belief in God truly began to unravel. Once I found that I didn't believe the Bible was the perfect word of God, it didn't take long to realize that I was no longer sure if he was there at all, end quote. That's where that road leads. Now, and that's one of the reasons, very first sermon in this series that I preached back in February was on the authority of the Word of God. Why do we accept these 27 books in the New Testament as belonging in what we call the canon, as the authoritative, inspired Word of God? And we talked about three things. We talked about the divine qualities. When you read the Bible, there are thoughts expressed there that are beyond human origination. We talked about apostolic content. Either the New Testament is either written by an apostle or it has apostolic content. And number three, we talked about nearly universal reception by the early church of these books as divinely inspired. Now, if you want to get into the deep weeds on that or if you want to revisit that, that sermon's still up on our website, and I would encourage you to do that. Or get, there's a book called Canon Revisited. that I read. It's in our library. You can check that out if you want to get, get into it. I mean, you may not be in that position of doubt, but some people... They struggle with doubt. There's nothing wrong with that, but just do the work to study, to think, to learn, and to come to the conclusion. That is the right conclusion. The Bible is the word of Christ, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the apostles was to make sure that these imperfect men wrote down that which was true, accurate, and dependable. No errors, no mistakes. So, the commands of Christ... They deal with what matters, what's relevant, what's authoritative, and finally, what's foundational. We're talking about why it's wise to obey everything Jesus commanded, because his commands deal with what's foundational in life. Once more, that verse, verse 25 in chapter 7, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
Graham Staines left his home in Australia to minister to lepers in India for 34 years. He and his wife Gladys served Christ by serving the poorest of the poor. At midnight on January 23, 1999, a mob of militant Hindus murdered Graham and his two sons, Philip, age 11, and Timothy, age 6. The killers invaded the Christian camp in the jungle where Graham had ministered and set fire to the jeep in which Graham and his sons slept. When the fire finally cooled, believers found the charred body of Graham Staines with his arms around the bodies of his sons. In the most appalling way, Gladys and Esther found themselves alone. Their response to the tragedy appeared on the front page of every newspaper in India. Gladys said, quote, I have only one message for the people of India. I am not bitter or angry, but I have one great desire, that each citizen of this country would establish a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, who gave his life for their sins. She said, let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. And I thought, what a message for today. Let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. At the funeral for Graham and his sons, thousands flocked into the streets in support of this woman, even the president of the nation of India. And they said, maybe these Christians aren't who we thought they were. Maybe there's something to this Jesus Christ. And many Indian nationals became Christians as a result. It's not that we don't go through storms as followers of Christ and even people who obey his commands. We can obey perfectly and we're still going to go through storms. It's simply that we have an otherworldly foundation to our lives so that we can persevere through the storm. And on the other side, we stand firm. God bless you for having the wisdom to build your life on the rock foundation that is Jesus Christ and his word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today for your word that enlightens us about Jesus Christ. We know we can't separate him from his word. We build our lives on the cornerstone of the person of Jesus Christ, your son. And we build our lives on the foundation of his commands, his word for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.